This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Halfway through the week, depending, I guess, on how long your work week is. Hopefully, though, everything's going well. But again, let's take it as a moment just to uh, pause and remind ourselves that uh, we get to decide to an extent, but we're going to do the best, you know, around what we have control over. We get to decide how the rest of the day is going to go. I uh, was kind of sharing this with you all a couple, couple weeks ago on the show. We were talking about how I'm doing this work myself. So often as I'm reminding you all, I'm reminding myself as well and reinforcing. But uh, a bad a bad moment does not have to be a bad day. Remember that soundbite? A bad morning doesn't have to be an entire bad afternoon. A bad day doesn't have to be a bad week, right? Bad day doesn't have to be a bad weekend. Bad day doesn't have to be a bad week. Bad week doesn't have to be a bad month. We're, we're kind of working on right-sizing things. What we're not doing is leaning into toxic positivity, right? And we'll talk more about that, but that's basically the idea that always put a smile on your face, always look for the silver lining, always be happy. Well, no, that's not mental health. That's, that's being a robot. Actual things do happen that are worthy of anger, frustration, disappointment, sadness, depression, anxiety. You know, mental health is not the absence of emotion. And emotion is good and bad. Honestly, emotion is just neutral. It's energy and experience and memory and feeling. But um, we're not trying to have the absence of the ones that we've culturally decided are bad or negative. So again, mental health is not the absence of anxiety and depression and frustration and grief and loss. Mental health, as we say, is the ability to sit with all of it deeply, right, and fully. But Part of that is what we call both self-regulation and emotional flexibility. We do want to use our cognitive functioning to say, hey, wait a minute, am I catastrophizing? Am I dramatizing what's going on? Yeah, that might have just happened. Let me give you a personal example. (laughs) I've really been applying the crap out of this concept, so I want to share this with you all. I'm really proud. This is a difficult thing because remember, we're at the mercy of... uh, Well, we're at the mercy of a lot of things. Our genetics and our genetics do not determine everything. You know, the environment and other factors will determine what's expressed. So remember that. Just because you might genetically have the capacity to maybe be a, you know, piano prodigy, if you are raised in a family without access or the resources to ever sit down in front of a a piano, that will never manifest or express itself, right? but that potentiality exists. So genetics and what we're born with are a potentiality. They're a possibility. But there's so many other factors that bring things forward. So when we're talking about mental health and our ability to cope with life and the world around us, 
it, it is not just that, you know, our genetics are destiny. And, and that's something that's important to know, even when we talk about problematic relationships with maybe things like drugs and alcohol, AKA what people, other people call addictions, right? It's far bigger. And we know that that's actually born out of trauma. Addiction is not a disease. We know that. Um, it's not a mental illness. It's a learning thing. It's an attachment disorder. Uh, it's born out of trauma. We now know that. So my point being is we're up against a lot of different factors. So let me personalize this for a second. Yes, there's my genetics. There's also the family environment that I was raised in that taught me or did not teach me, depending on your family, how to self-regulate, and also what perspective to really have on the world. Your early relationship will help you determine to an extent, at first at least, whether or not you see people as safe, whether or not you see people as comforting, right? And then we move out into the wider world. What's the current place in time? Well, right now we're all living in a late capitalist neoliberal culture, which basically means we're treated poorly. Everyone's treated their worth and value based on how much they produce and whether or not, you know, how much money they make. It, it, it's quite gross. And now we're in a really beautiful cultural moment where we're pushing back on that. And we're saying things like, we're here to have pleasure and, and to have joy. We're not here to work. Right, work is something we unfortunately have to do to participate in our you know capitalist culture. But I digress. I digress. I digress. My whole point is this: is I was raised in a family where I wasn't necessarily taught the best self-regulation skills. I wasn't given the best you know training in emotional intelligence. That's something I had to really acquire and work on. And and that was to the deficit of a lot of my early relationships. But now, as a conscious adult doing the work I've done, I've really taken it very seriously to really watch, monitor, and assess myself. Right. So one of the things that I've been working on for years now is right sizing things. And this is something I do with my clients. This is something I leave stick it notes around my home. I've shared that with you all. Whatever I'm working on, I'll put notes, reminders, because the world distracts us, right? It pulls us away from what we're working on. And so we need a lot of touchstones and reminders that say, hey, this is the person you want to be. Um, there's a beautiful uh, form of therapy called ACT, uh, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. And one of the really valuable gems that's born out of that theoretical orientation is this idea that it's really important for everyone to understand what their ethics are, right? Um, and, and, and finding ways to live from that, right? What are, their, what are your core principles? And are you living a life aligned with that, the kind of person you wanna see yourself be? So I realized like, it's really important for me to be more self-regulated. So these events occur in our lives. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to share with you this, my own story that occurred. That was this beautiful reminder of doing that work of saying, let's right size things. And also let's not let a bad moment become an entire bad day or bad week while also not leaning into toxic positivity and saying, put a smile on your face when things are rough, because it's okay when things are rough to be like, yo, things are rough and to feel it and embody it and also want to talk about it, right? We're not trying to shut that stuff down. So stick around. I got a whole lot coming for you. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. Nerd Wallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable, fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation. Find your next credit card or loan for a big purchase and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. All right, y'all, we are back. And before the break, I was saying, you know, we're working on a lot of different things. And I was talking about how it's, it's you know, midweek and how important and vital it is for us to say, okay, how's the week gone, right? How do I want it to continue to go? And to say, we have some control over that. Yes, we're at the mercy of different forces and systems in our lives. We're acknowledging that. We're not brushing over that or ignoring that. I, I completely, because I, you know, think intersectionally and I have, eyeballs and a brain and I can see what's going on in the world, I would never say to someone, well, we decide how we feel. That's not true. That's not true. We are at the mercy and on the receiving end of real things. Like there's such a thing as a climate emergency. Yeah. We, we don't get to decide how we feel about that. It's understandable that that generates anxiety and fear, right? Okay. Uh, I don't agree when they say things like people can't make you feel a certain way. Well, yes, yes, they can. It's called empathy. It's called mirror neurons. It's called interpersonal neurobiology. It's called connection. Yeah. When someone that I care about is sad, I feel sad in my body because I have empathy. We can be made to feel things. That's a real thing. When we witness something with our eyes or we experience something with someone, we have a feeling. It's also called trauma. It's called the you know transmission of trauma. We can tr- pass trauma down through the generations. We know that, right? There's also things called vicarious traumatization, which is the trauma that happens when you're going through someone else's trauma. And as a therapist, I know that where I can feel in my body because of interpersonal neurobiology, empathy, mirror neurons. I can feel what my clients are talking about. We work very hard on having those boundaries, but you're internalizing it. You're experiencing, you're thinking about it. It's bringing up memories that are associative. So people do make you feel things. But I wrap all that up to say, if we have the cognitive awareness of that, we do get to decide what we make of it, what meaning we make of it, where we go with it, right? What we do with it. So the personal story I want to share with you, because my God, this year isn't hard enough. I haven't shared with y'all probably even a quarter of what's been going on. I, I realized I had heart health issues. I realized I had dangerously high blood pressure. That was a medical emergency. I haven't talked openly about that. On top of that, I've danger- I really badly injured my ankle. Um, it's been a rough year. And I'm one of those people where... I'm pretty, I, I, I focus a lot on health and taking care of myself. So these things are just part of like being an adult and, and aging. I've had to encounter age as I get older. You know what I mean? Anyway, my point being at some point, I do want to talk about my heart and health stuff because really woke my eyes up to the importance of nutrition and what I was eating and the impact that that was having and how that also helped be a part of my healing process and also helping me potentially, at least temporarily, avoid medications and some other things. So I'm gonna talk about that at some point um, because we can both be body positive and not participate in diet culture while still talking about the impact that the food choices we make have on us. And that's important for us to talk about. Um, So my point being is, 
life's funky as it is because of COVID. I have shared openly that I'm in a long distance relationship with someone in Canada. They will be moving over to the United States. So that dif- that distance been difficult. Also that transitional process will be difficult. Uh, you know, my ankle, whatever life's happening. So two days ago, I think it was, uh, I, 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 long story short, a neighbor <laughs> knocks on my door that I don't even know and says, um, I have bad news. <laughs> I was kind of like, what? You know what I mean? I could see on her face. She said a, a bunch of our cars were broken into last night. And I was like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Because that's just one of those things where the first thought was like, that's just annoying. You know what I mean? Now, this is going to be a controversial statement that I'm going to make to you all. And this is just, again, you all get to feel how you get to feel. But this is how my ethics where my ethics take me, right? My ethics are very much rooted in activism, social justice, um, empathy and compassion, understanding systemic and institutional causes of issues. I, I would never support someone breaking into someone else's car, okay? So let me start by saying that. That's, that's like a really horrible thing, and it's a very unfair thing. Um, but I also do appreciate that we're living in a tough economic time and that people are experiencing, you know, unemployment and racism and uh, COVID stuff and not everyone's able to get their needs met. So I appreciate that some people feel like the only way they can get their needs met is to break in other people's cars. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm, I'm just letting you know. I'm just empathizing that I understand what might be driving that, although there's other ways to work on getting your needs met. Nonetheless, there I am thinking, good God, this is not what I wanted to be woken up with because it was earlier in the morning. Long story short, they pried our car doors open and stole a bunch of really random, strange things out of our cars, including identification badges and garage clickers, um, really, really plotting a larger a larger um, theft ring, apparently. Point being is, that was the start of my darn day. So that very much is a frustrating, unsafe, uh, complexifying experience, right? And for most people, it would have been very reasonable for me to say, well, there goes my entire day. Like, well, you know, more to come. Clearly, this isn't going to be a good day. Carry it forward. Maybe I could say, oh, it's going to be a bad month. Or, of course, the bad year continues. But that's not true, right? And I needed to say, well, wait a minute. Yes, that happened. Feel all of your feelings. Kick something. Throw something. Scream. Share with your friends. Be bummed. Be pissed, right? And that's real. And I can do that. But I also had to say at the same time, because we can hold two different ideas at the same time, right? We can have this like consciousness of both. Another part of me swooped in and was like, okay, you also get to decide what you do with this. Do you want to let this leak into the rest of your day or do you want to process it, work through it, and then move on? And I'm also working on this okay. And this is from Eastern Psychology. I've shared this with you a little bit. Maybe I'll do a whole show on it at some point. Where I had to say, okay. You know, it's acceptance. It's radical acceptance. Acceptance doesn't mean you're co-signing. Acceptance doesn't mean it's okay. Acceptance doesn't mean you want it. Acceptance doesn't mean you're not leaning in and really being present with what's happening. But it's a way of saying, I'm releasing it now. Yes, that happened. There's nothing more I need to do with it. There's nothing constructive in letting it leak into the rest of my day. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. Went out, assessed the damage. And was like, and I'm moving on with my day. Yes, that happened, but it's not going to be a bad day. And honestly, the rest of the day was great because I right-sized it, right? And I okayed it. It's like it's like leaving the house with the bad weather. No, I didn't want it to rain or snow maybe, but it is. So I'm going to go get a jacket, 
put it on and go do what I got to do. Taking a break, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All righty, we are back and uh, <laughs> done talking about my health issues. But I do at some point want to circle back and bring them, bring it up again because there's a lot of things I learned. Uh, one of the little tidbits I'll throw at you all is please check the amount of sodium that you're eating. Most foods have at times uh, the entire day's worth of recommended sodium that's healthy for your heart in one meal. And I realized I was consuming two to three times the recommended dosage a day. Um, I am plant-based for my health, for the environment, for my nonviolence, ethics, and spirituality. Um, it's the most powerful thing you can do to easily and cheaply help reverse some of the climate damage. So please go plant-based as much as possible. If you can completely go vegan, awesome. If maybe you're vegan-ish, sometimes it's great. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something you'll, you'll thank yourself for. There will be a time when we are all eating that way, maybe not in our lifetime, but LA has 300% growth in plant-based restaurants. Obama just had his birthday party completely plant-based. Uh, award shows are going plant-based. Every day, a new celebrity is going plant-based. It's really an important thing, but <clears throat> that doesn't mean that it's not low. So that doesn't mean that it's not high sodium. We need to get our sodium levels low. That is part of heart disease and high blood pressure. And heart disease is the number one killer in the world, right? And so my numbers were dangerously high, uh, dangerously high. And I had to get an at-home meter, blah, blah, long story. But uh, through cooking more and really assessing sodium levels and changing my diet and also having to reduce sugar levels, it's currently at a manageable number and we're tracking it and I might not need medications or anything for, you know, further if I can monitor this. So really important stuff. So please do check in on your sodium levels. I see people talking about macros all the time, protein, carbs, and it's like none of that's actually important for your heart health. And that's the number one killer. We need to be talking about sodium and sugar. No one's talking about that. Even on packaging, they reference fat, they reference sugar, they reference fiber and protein, but sodium is just this like silent killer that we're not talking about. And I just today saw three more articles about people dying from heart-related issues. It's wild, we'll talk more about it, but we can talk about this while still being body positive, not leaning into diet culture, not calling foods good or bad, but we do need to be looking at what we're putting on our bodies and nutrition levels. That's a real thing. It's, a, it's like, that is real. Not everyone has to do that. It is not your responsibility, but if you choose to, I wanna be part of opening our eyes up to that. Um, okay, one of the things I wanted to talk about though was this article on ways that therapists personally deal with burnout. I think that this is something that we can all take tips away from, but I, but there was like a little wink in this. Uh, cause I've talked about this frequently. Some people are like, Oh my God, stop talking about this. Well, I'm not going to, because it's something we still haven't nailed every single day, even with the same clients and the same friends and the same loved ones. I'm constantly saying you're working too much. I'm constantly saying, where's your self care? Because it's culturally something that's new for us and it's not supported. People are still calling others lazy. People are still thinking we need to always be improving and optimizing. And it's like all of these things that are exhausting us and burning us out. We need to be finding more rest, more pleasure, working less, having cutoff times where we're not accessible. Like choose a time of day where you are not available on your phone any longer till the next morning. Unless you're a crisis counselor or a 911 worker, you do not need to be accessible at all times by anyone. Um, but my point being is, this is the little personal nudge, is I get contacted multiple times a week to be on people's podcasts or to, or to be quoted in articles. And I say no to most of them because I'm 
preserving my my energy and time. I, I, I don't want to work a lot. I want to work as little as possible and get all the things done that I need to do and live my life, right? Um, but what was amazing is I feel like some of these people that reach out to me for quotes have no clue about who I am or my work because they're sometimes surprised at what I give them back. And so this author uh, for this really popular site, I'm not going to say much more, had reached out to me to talk about ways that I practice self-care to avoid burnout as a therapist because that was this topic, but also to like give a wider audience some ideas. And they used none of my answers because I don't give those boring mom and pop answers. I wasn't like, meditate, do yoga. You know what I mean? I'm like, we all know that. That is so stupid. And like, you'll see in the article, we're going to go through it. Someone's answer was like, go to therapy. And I'm like, oh my God, these are so stupid. Uh, so basic and obvious. And my answers were like these really powerful, deep answers about activism and using your time and, uh, you know, and your legacy to do something meaningful and how that's a way that you stay very energized and it makes you feel like you've done. So it was just like really beautiful. And they were just like, whoa, that was a little too radical. It's a little too activist. And it's like, yeah, but you asked me, like, what did you think I was going to give you? I probably even mentioned things like masturbating. It's an appropriate form of self-care. It a hundred percent absolutely is. Why can't we talk about the use of sexuality therapeutically? Like, like, oh, is that still a bad word? Like, grow up. Okay, so let's go through the most, some of these are, are decent, some of them are just such a cliche, and some of them are stupid. So the first one I actually thought was really amazing. I'm not gonna reference who said what, but uh, one of the first things that someone said as a way that they really <clears throat> try to avoid burnout is hobbies, trying a new hobby. And I was like, that's actually really profound for me. And I think that that's actually profound could be profound for a lot of us. We, and, and again, as always, like apply these things beyond the actual topic. The topics I use are entry points, right? They're like springboards. But when you're, let me, let me show you an example. Okay, so self-care, find a new hobby, awesome. Well, it's also the same thing you should do when you're going through a breakup. What, yeah, part of going through a breakup is stepping back into who you are or who you wanna be. Actually, let's take a break for the sake of time, we're gonna glide into those DMs. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a cliffhanger and then you're gonna come back after the DMs, which we're gonna do next. And uh, we'll finish this, all right? So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are brought to you by uh, our IG. Bam, that's where they come from. Drop them in there. You got a question for us, topic you want covered? Let us know. All right, let's see what's going on here. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I just found out that my girlfriend is cheating on me. I'm sorry. I always want to say that when I hear that first off is, it's a very painful thing to hear. Uh, it's an ultimate form of betrayal and disrespect. So let's be better. You know, remember cheating is a symptom of something wanting to leave, but afraid of ending it, wanting a different kind of sex life, but being afraid to talk to your partner about it, whatever it is, it's a solution to something. It's a symptom. Confront the real core issue and deal with it. Uh, cheating on people is very devastating. It, it can create a lot of trauma. Let's be better than that. You know, dating and relationships should be nothing but positive. They don't have to be so tumultuous. We allow them to be. We've normalized that. Let's let's be better. Uh, you said I haven't confronted her yet because I feel like texting someone else is cheating, but maybe I'm overreacting, question mark. Also, I shouldn't have gone through her phone, but I did. Ah, there it is. They haven't, uh, they haven't met up yet. They keep talking about it, and uh, she's been blowing her off, though. I really don't know what to do. Should I talk to her, or should I just wait and see what she does? No, listen. 
If you're going to violate boundaries and go through someone's phone, you're going to have to deal with what it is you find. And I always remind people that sitting on it's not going to work because we can't ever actually do that. You might think you're not bringing it up or talking about it, but it's coming out in your behavior. You absolutely are being different around them and treating them differently. But bigger than that, I want you to make it a mental health issue for you. You're with someone that you no longer trust. You're with someone who feels has violated your trust and has harmed you. That isn't something you can just you know, shelve away and keep moving forward as though it's not happening. So yes, you absolutely need to talk about it. In fact, I want you to be in relationships with people you can talk about anything that's on your mind. So it makes me, uh, I'm wondering why you can't talk about this. I'm wondering also what made you feel as though you needed to go through her phone. Cause those are two bigger clinical issues. Those are two bigger relational things to look at. Why are you with someone that you don't trust? Why are you with someone that the only way you feel like you can get truth is to go through their phone. And then when you find that, why are you with someone that you can't comfortably talk to about this? why are you trying to wait and see what they do? That's not the issue. The issue isn't whether or not they fall through and cheat on me. The issue is I'm with someone who's violated boundaries. I'm with someone who doesn't mind trying to get their needs met with someone else when we should be talking about that. I'm with someone who I can't even talk to about truth. Like that's the bigger issue before I even care about whether or not they've acted on it. Don't, it's not about whether or not they do it and setting them up to see, to be like, look there, you did it. Go reel it back in and start at the beginning. What's your definition of monogamy? Most likely you're going to say to me, we never talked about it. Start there. Everyone listening, if you're going to be in a monogamous relationship, you need to talk about what that means. Because if this person is like cool with texting other people, then they aren't cheating. That might just be your definition. There are people that are in more flexible relationships where they don't care if they're flirting with others. And if your partner has a definition that does not include that as cheating, well, then they've done no wrong in their ethics. Your ethics are yours, theirs are theirs. If you're going to be monogamous, you need to talk about what that means because until someone's committed to something, they are not accountable to it. Please don't roll your eyes thinking people should know better. No, they shouldn't. We live in a healthy place now where people have all different definitions of what relational commitment is. And some people are more open, more fluid. You need to talk about those things because in there, in your girlfriend's definition, she might've done no wrong. I tend to be more casual. If I'm in a committed monogamous relationship with someone, which I am, I don't care about things like that. That is small, stupid stuff to me. So that doesn't bother me. To me, that to me, that isn't cheating. And me and my partner have to talk about what cheating means to us. So number one, start with that definition. You might realize that you are wrong and that you do not have a same definition and that's where the work has to start. Number two, I want you to start working on building the kind of relationship where you could have difficult conversations. Maybe the reason why they're finding cheating as a solution is because you don't have the kind of relationship where they can honestly sit down and talk about what's wrong and what it is that cheating is a symptom of because they're trying to do something with that. So you have a lot of relational work to do, and I'd rather you focus more on that versus me versus them. They harmed me. I'm the victim. Start with, we've built a relationship where we don't even talk honestly about things, where I feel like I have to look through your phone, where we haven't even talked about what this monogamy thing is that is so important to me that I've gone through your phone to find out whether or not you're honoring it, and I found out I believe you're not, but yet we haven't even talked about what the definition is. I'm holding you accountable to something that you haven't even signed off on. There's no consent in that. So start there. Start there. All right, we're going to take a break and come back, and we're going to keep talking about distance, dating, and intimacy. So stick around. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. Sorry about that little break. We had to do some DMs. Thank you, Astroglide. Uh, Astroglide products, massage oils, lotions for everybody. Get in on there. Check that out. Um, But prior to those DMs, those ever-important DMs, 
an important, valuable benchmark. Uh, we were talking about, <laughs> I was talking about a lot of things, but we we're talking about this article on ways to avoid burnout. And I was saying that I want you all to know as listeners that even if you're not relating specifically to a topic I'm sharing, it's always translatable and applicable to unrelated things. So for instance, I'm sharing with you this article that my important gems were left out of, God bless. And one of the other authors who was quoted was saying, try a new hobby, you know, to avoid burnout. And I'm like, no, I actually think that that's meaningful. And the example I was going to give as to how we can apply this outside of the context of it is, well, let's start with the context that they use first. Yes, finding a new hobby is a way to bring more purpose, meaning, and dynamicism into your life, as opposed to laying on your couch for six hours, flipping through the same three apps, or watching, you know, the same crappy movies on Netflix, because let's be honest, they haven't really been putting out any zingers recently. Um, so hobbies, awesome. I've stepped into a whole bunch. It's been profound. It's reminded me of who I really am. You know what I mean? Again, my work does that. So I'm lucky in that my radio show, my writing, my clinical practice are really grounded in who I am, what my purpose is and what I enjoy doing. So I'm, I'm gifted in that way and we all aren't and that's okay. We come home and we then step into that and that's where hobbies are important. But the point I was making about the translatableness is it's also the advice I give to someone who's going through a breakup and you're like, wait a minute, how does that even make any sense? Well, going through a breakup is often about stepping into who we were before or who we wanna be now. Because when we get into relationships, we co-create something new and we become a different part or a different version of ourselves because there's this other person before us, right? And that often can block space and time and energy. And when we are newly single, going through a breakup, if it's hard for us, stepping into a new hobby keeps life dynamic and fun. It pulls us out of that, that grief and loss temporarily or long-term. If it's something that's participatory out in the world around others, that's great because we're meeting people. We're reminded that fun can still be had and that there's more to come and it challenges us. And I knew that. And when I went through the end of my engagement, because <clears throat> for longtime listeners back when me and Amber did Loveline as a podcast, which by the way, I think that all still exists on Podcast One or Spotify. Go check it out. Some really bold stuff. But I remember I was, I was going through a, a, the ending of an engagement. A lot of you don't know that I was engaged. And I said that's one of the most important things I did to get through it and, and, and over it was I started doing a lot of new hobbies, things that I'd always wanted to do. And it, it brought meaning and fun into my life again because my options were what most people do. I'm either going to sit and stew in this ending, which was very painful, um, or I'm going to hold that with me while also moving forward. And hobbies were powerful. I leaned into a bunch of new ones and rediscovered who I was, but also found out new parts of who I am now. Because if you're always evolving, you're always changing. We don't stop changing if you're open to the, the true process of growth, right? And that was really powerful. And that's maintained a presence in my life or even through COVID. And even right now, I was like, well, I, I want to always be stepping into that process. So I started an art practice. I've actually started getting into cooking and baking. And that was born out of my heart health issues and realizing there's not a lot of foods that are actually heart supportive that are plant-based, low sugar, low sodium. So I started baking and making them. I now make my own seitan and oat milk and protein bars and baked goods. Like I'm making it all, you know, and it's really been fun. Um, and that's new for me because if you'd listened to me prior, I was like, I hate cooking. I don't enjoy it. I do now. And I'm learning about different ingredients and seasonings. And it's been a really beautiful, exciting thing. Um, I also got into plants a little bit. That didn't go so well. 
but we're not going to talk about that. Okay. So anyway, back to the burnout thing, try a new hobby. I think that's awesome. It'll re-energize you. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's something that's important for people going through a breakup. I think it's important for general mental health. I think it's important for people that are feeling anxious or depressed or lonely. I work with someone going through the ending of a marriage. I work with someone who's painfully single. I work with someone who's in a new city needs to make friends. I work with someone who's newly sober. I work with someone who's depressed. All these people, part of their treatment plan is go find a new hobby, which means step into joy. Uh, step into new identity, step out of your house, step into the world to meet other like-minded people, step into new things that challenge you, step into some fun on your weekend, step into having something to do in an otherwise really lonely, boring weekend. It's not a cure-all, but it is part of, right? It's a part of. These are situation and social things that can help heal us. So lean into that. Having a stress, you know, stressful, rough, whatever, Go step into something new and novel. Go lean into a hobby. Hobby. I want to start playing drums as well. I'm going to start playing drums. I'm going to keep cooking. I'm working on my art practice. I might at some point start sharing some of that. Like I'm really expanding. And that's why I'm saying I'm working less. I'm working to the levels I need to work to do what I need to do. I'm not doing any more. I'm not doing any less. I'm not letting myself get stressed out by work because that's not mentally healthy and that's not what the purpose of my existence on this planet is. And I say all that to motivate you all and to challenge you all to do the same thing. You know, <clears throat> I gave you a homework assignment a couple nights ago. I said, write down the three things that are most important to you. Are you guided by them? Are they centered in your life? Do they hold space in your life every single day or at least every week? And if not, your life is not balanced. And this is another example of that. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and keep talking about what sounds like a really basic topic, but is actually quite profound and, and really involved in a cure-all for almost everything is ways to deal with burnout. Y'all stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're continuing to talk about how it's really simple, simple, small things that really feel difficult or hard, but are actually the more profound transformative aspects of what's available to us to deal with grief and loss, loneliness, boredom, going through a breakup, COVID stress, anxiety, depression, sobriety. It, right? There's these certain basic factors that are really always tied in any, to any of the research um, that's part of just generalized mental health. And the one I was talking about last uh, segment that I was going on and on about was stepping into new novel things, getting a new hobby, you know, going back to some of the things that are the most important elements. You know, when we get, when we get into a family, we have children, we're in a relationship, uh, we're deep in our jobs, um, health stuff we tend to insulate, we tend to go in, our world tends to shrink. But what we really need to do in those times is expand, have more, step outside of, be distracted, letting go, right? Going into acceptance. So uh, I was also though at the same time saying that this is all coming out of an article that I was supposed to be featured in, but left out of because my answers were too real and too honest and activistic. And so we're kind of poking through some of these really boring ones, but some of them are decent. Um, talk to a therapist. I mean, that's so unhelpful. I mean, going to talk to a therapist is very helpful. I just mean them, rec them pointing that out as though that's not something that my listeners don't already know or have access to in terms of like the possibility of, but you know, therapy is important. I think everyone should have a therapist. I really do. I think that no one's going to be negatively impacted by working with the right therapist for some length of time. We all have work to do. And it's quite profound when you hear people that are like, no, nah, I'm good. And it's like, 
oh, oh, sweetie, no. <laughs> like I can itemize a list of things that would be really important to work on, but I digress. So what are the other things we want to talk about? Taking a tech break. I, I could say this every show and it's still not going to necessarily have the necessary impact it needs to have. That's blown my mind. I put my phone on silence and in a drawer because I keep telling you all do one thing at a time. If you're going to watch a movie, watch a movie. Do not be on your phone while watching a movie. If you're going to be on your phone, pause the movie. If you're in a conversation, be in the conversation. If you want to be on your phone, and say to them, I need to, can you give me one second? I need to check my phone. One thing at a time, stop double dipping and your phone should not be a priority ever. You, very few of us need to be reachable within minutes. And if you do because of your child or a health emergency or whatever it is, I get it. But otherwise, be unavailable for the day. Be unavailable for the hours. Be unavailable for the weekend. I'm trying to be completely unavailable on Saturdays and Sundays. No one needs to contact me on a Saturday or Sunday. No one does. The way my world is structured, my career, my friends, if they want to reach out to connect, that's cool. But no one needs to be able to reach me immediately. I'm not an emergency worker. I'm not. You know, I work with high-functioning people in a weekly capacity, right? And my media stuff is, is, is supported by a lot of amazing people. None of these things need to, and I want you all to ask yourselves that. Like, am I being too available, right? Tech break is also helpful because please know our mental health is impacted by the things we're looking at. We are, we are an open system. Our brains are a sponge. They're absorbing the social norms of the things our friends are saying and thinking, what commercials are, are, are telling us we need to be doing, and also social media. It's constantly flashing things at our face that are saying, this is what you should be doing. This is what you're not doing. Take a break. <clears throat> Another big one is also getting outdoors. Some of us can go a long period of time and our only time outdoors is maybe running from here to there. And there's a difference between happenstance where you happen to be outdoors because you're walking to your car or to get coffee and actually spending time outdoors. I'm talking about spending time outdoors. I am indoorsy. I like cooler temperatures. I always have my air conditioner on. I walk around my home wearing a hoodie. You know what I mean? The, te the heat and sun gives me anxiety and depression. I have seasonal affective in that way, but I still make myself spend time outdoors. I still find comfortable ways that meet my needs to sit outdoors and spend some time. So make sure you're doing that. That's really important. What else we got here? Oh, I love this one. And this is something that's applicable to sex as well. Because again, all these things I'm talking about apply well beyond just this generalized topic of burnout. Fill your space with calming visual triggers. Okay, first we're going to start on how that works for mental health and burnout. And then I'm going to apply it to things like our body esteem, our self-esteem, and all of that. So as far as the workplace, you want to have things around you that create the kind of mood and thought process you want to have. I'm right now doing therapy via telemedicine and will still be for a long time because we're still in a pandemic and there's still variants going around. And I at least want to protect my clients, but I also want to protect myself. So I'm not going to be in any unventilated areas and my office doesn't have windows that open. I've talked about that. So I'm not going to be sitting in there for hours with people coming in and out. Okay. So. At home though, where I do the therapy, I have flowers around me, things that make me smile, books that remind me of the, of the energy I wanna bring in because it does matter. What we're wearing matters. Moving forward, I'm only wearing comfortable clothing. I wear sweatpants to most places. A lot of places where that's actually looked down upon, but guess what? 
I don't care. My mental health and my physical comfort mean more than any social norm of where sweatpants are appropriate because it's material and fabrics. Fashion is material and fabrics. And we've infused in it elitism and classism, but no, no clothing is more appropriate or less appropriate than anything else. I can wear my black comfortable sweatpants literally everywhere and anywhere. And if I can't, it's not the right place for me. Like really hear that. If there's there, if the spaces I can't wear my clothes that are comfortable and make sense for me are spaces I don't belong in. Because all the places I want to be and the people I want to be around don't care about those things. You know what I mean? And so that's actually a really big indicator as to, well, what's going on in this space where I can't be myself and wear things that are comfortable? Do I want to participate in that? Is that the right place for me? Um, <clears throat> we're going to take a break in a minute. And then we're going to keep talking about this because I want to apply this and take this further because the things around us have such a huge impact. And it's a really beautiful way to kind of set a tone, set a mood, but also kind of remind us and help regulate us. So we're going to come back and talk about that. And then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And you can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. I'll be back. And we're going to keep talking about all these things that are going to just change your entire life. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back. And before the break, talking about uh, the environment around us. And I was saying how I'm working from home, have the right things around me. But remember this, you know, how does someone with a larger or fat body work through whatever comes up around that or trauma or oppression in our fat phobic culture? How does someone gay in our homophobic, patriarchal, toxic masculine culture feel okay? Well, you have to surround yourself with the things that challenge those norms and values in our culture. You cannot, and I say this to clients as well, you can't even pop into therapy once a week and think you're going to battle through it all in one hour while going back to this problematic environment. So what does that mean? You have to surround yourself with the kinds of ideas, images, and messages that support who you are, how you want to think, how you want to feel, and what you want to believe. That's why I only follow certain things on social media. That's why I've gotten rid of general television. I watch the specific things I want to see. I don't want to see commercials for products that aren't important to me or I don't care about. I don't want to see news articles about um, you know, athletes knitting. That is not important or meaningful to me. I don't know why I keep seeing photos of this little boy knitting. Uh, I appreciate he's an athlete. Awesome. Do your thing, but like, don't care about your nits. Um, <clears throat> and so you have to build community. So for instance, if you're gay, you're going to have to surround yourself with gay community, things that are gay, supportive and positive, read books about gay struggle and healing gay shame. If you're a larger bodied or fat, you need to surround yourself with body positive ads, TV shows, build some community, curate your social media to not see people flaunting their gym body as though that's something meaningful or an achievement of some kind, right? We have to build the world we want around us because the standardized world is racist, homophobic, fat shaming. You know what I mean? Like it's problematic. And so that matters. So look around your home. What are the things you have, the color choices, the fabrics, the images, the messages? Is it, is it, is it aligned with the mood you want to have, the feeling you want to move through the day with? This applies to sex as well. What are you wearing? What are you smelling? What are you hearing? Are you hearing, smelling, wearing things that make you sexy, make you feel good, lend itself to eroticism or the opposite, right? Like 
this, these kinds of themes are woven into everything. I've curated my life and my home and my social media and my play, my Spotify playlist to really be the world I want to be a part of. We're not at the mercy as much as we think we are. You get to decide what you listen to, what you watch. You get to decide the conversations you have. You get to decide what you follow on social media. Build a mental health center world. It is very easy. You can click and unfollow and click and follow. You can choose the TV shows you watch. What kind of messages are they giving? You can say to friends and family members, stop commenting on my body and other people's bodies. I don't care about weight. You know what I mean? You can say, I'm not going to go to places where I can't wear the clothing that's comfortable for me. You know what I mean? If Dr. D can't wear his comfortable sneakers and sweatpants, I don't need to eat there. <laughs> Truly. Because my comfort and mental health matter more than my participation at a restaurant or an event. You know what I mean? I hate that stuff anyway. Um, it takes a lot to get me out to an event because it usually isn't centered in what's fun or meaningful to me. Because the things I like to do and the people I run around with, we like comfort and we like philosophy and theory and we just do all these other radical things and they could care less about what you're wearing. In fact, it's purposeful that we push back on those norms. So it's pleasure-centered. It's being a pleasure activist saying, does this said thing make me happy? And if not, I'm going to move away from it. And I say that to you guys all the time to help motivate and encourage. If I'm offered an opportunity to have lunch with someone or, or a career thing, my first thought is, is it good for my mental health? And then I say, does it sound fun? And if it doesn't, I say no. Does wearing that feel good or sound fun? If not, no. I don't wear things that are don't feel good on my body, that feel restrictive, all these things, it's okay to assert ourselves like that. It's okay to set boundaries. It's okay to be led by our self-worth. But culturally, we shame on that. We say things like, be polite, you know, um, you know, etiquette. All these things are made-up things that pull us away from truth. Don't, be, don't follow etiquette. Don't be polite. Be honest. Have compassion, but be honest. No, that doesn't feel good to me. Yes, that does feel good to me. No, that's not the right opportunity for me. Yes, that is. No, that social space doesn't make me feel good. I don't enjoy being in that space. I always tell everyone before, during, and after, how do you feel thinking about going? How do you feel while there, and how do you feel after having been there? If something doesn't feel good to me, I don't go. And if while I'm there, if it changes and I'm no longer comfortable, I leave. And if I realize I went somewhere and I'm like, that wasn't the right crowd or the right environment for me, I don't go back or I make changes or I make requests, you know? But it's important for me to only be in places and spaces where I could be my total and full authentic self. And if not, I have to ask myself, is that my work <clears throat> where I have to bring that in? Or is that that the environment isn't safe for that? And if so, it's not the right place for me. If I can't be my radical self, then it's not the right place or space. And we want to start doing that. That's mental health center. That's how we avoid mental health issues. That's how we avoid burnout. You know, it's really powerful work if we can do that, but we need to start prioritizing that. All right, when we come back, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Follow us back. And uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face and click on it. And again, those DMs are for questions, but they're also for topics you want me to cover, things you want me to go into deeper. Because I know sometimes I might um, drop something and not come back to it or not really sit longer with something that maybe you're curious about. Or again, something I just haven't ever touched upon. So let us know. DMs are always open. We're happy to help. Um, and uh, yeah, Astroglide. Check out some of that lube. But massage lotions and a lube for everybody. All right, we'll be back, y'all. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. 
Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back, and uh, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one's a little bit of a long one, so bear with us. Oof, lengthy. Hey, Loveline and Dr. Chris. I was adopted from the Ukraine. I was in an orphanage for almost four years. Oh, we got a lot of research on that. Uh, my therapist says I have PTSD. We understand that. We know that for those that are, excuse me, raised in an orphanage, unfortunately often don't get what we call a healthy, secure attachment system really laid down or internalized because they are not touched often or given what we call mirroring or co-regulatory skills that is the requirement of a consistent available caregiver and that's very difficult to do in an orphanage so often people struggle with attachment issues which are resolvable and related to ptsd but the person says i'm still friends with my ex we have a we have gotten close again he's planning on moving to la to be closer to me thing is both of us are in recovery and he relapsed i don't know if he wants to get back into a relationship but i don't feel comfortable doing that yet just because everything I get in, just because every time I get into a relationship, I start shutting the other person out due to being neglected and abused in the orphanage. At the same time, I'm afraid of rejection, so I don't know how to put up a boundary. Also, the addict's part of me is scared that I won't be able to stay clean. So this is like a very multi-tiered complex trauma issue, complex PTSD possibly. So it's the attachment piece I was talking about where, you know, you haven't been able to earn, do what we call earn secure attachment. And that's something that happens within healthy adult relationships where we do start to learn that others will be there and be responsive for us and that we can tolerate closeness and intimacy and that being in a relationship with someone doesn't have to mean abandonment or um, abandonment doesn't have to mean overwhelm and it doesn't have to mean absence or rejection. So what is all that to say? All that's to say that if you're someone who recognizes that you have a lot of abandonment issues and you have a lot of trauma, it's very, very, very important that you pay attention to your partner choice because your partner choice is going to either heal where it's going to further wound. We want to find partners that heal us. So you need to be with someone who they themselves has a secure attachment style. And that means you want to look for someone who's grounded, someone who has mental health, but more importantly, someone who's reliable, consistent, available, and responsive, because that's what you need to experience and that's what you need to internalize. You need to be with someone who's very good at regulating their emotions, who's very good at grounding themselves, can help you co-regulate, can reflect back to you that your emotions aren't overwhelming or scary, that your needs aren't, and will help you heal that. Your partner who might have relapsed, your ex, most likely is not able to do that. I want all addicts to know that. If you're not in recovery, you are most likely not healthy enough to be brought into or to be someone's partner. If you're in relapse, take a break from the relationship and work on getting sober. Sober people, fine. But while we're in the middle of our addiction or relapse, we are not able to be available as a partner, especially not to someone with complex trauma and attachment issues. So just set a boundary. I don't know what they want. You have to ask them. I can't tell you. How do we find out what someone wants? By asking, hey, I know you're moving here. What is it that you're looking for? That's where we practice that vulnerability and that intimacy. You need to ask. Get clarity. If they say, I just want to be your friend, awesome. High five. Great. 
If they say, I'm looking to get romantically back together, you can say, it looks like you're struggling with your addiction and I'm working on staying sober. Now is not the best time for us to be in a relationship. Having said that, if this person says, I just want to be your friend, also let them know I can only have sober addicts in my life because my sobriety is fragile. And if I'm with someone who's actively using, that might trigger me back into my use. It's important for sober people to have sober friends. It's important for all of us to be in relationships with people who are sober and available to be a partner. Otherwise, we have to put a pause, take a break, or it's just not the right time for us. But definitely please get into therapy. Therapy is going to be something that's going to help guide this process. I don't know that you're going to manage all that you have to manage on your own. So I think you said you had a therapist. I hope you're still in that therapy. Have an honest adult conversation with your ex. See what this person is expecting. See what's possible. Make your boundaries known and see where you go from there. I don't want to make a lot of assumptions. I don't want to diagnose from afar. So bring this person transparently into your thought process. Everything you shared with me, I want you to say exactly back to them. Nothing you said in that DM should be kept from them. It's very appropriate. It's very regulated. It's very kind. And their response will tell you everything. Literally, their response will help you understand what role, if at all, they can play in your life. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, topics you want covered, past episodes, as always, are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, share, re-listen, get those gems internalized, make them part of the person you are. But uh, focus on tons of self-care, please. Tons of rest. Center some pleasure. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Get your head in the financial game with smart investing and budgeting tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's experts will set future you up for success with dependable fact-based insights. No financial misinformation allowed. Learn how to save on your summer vacation, find your next credit card, or loan for a big purchase, and invest in your next index fund. Make smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app.